we, we went through Imagine the Possibilities, and, and I'm thrilled about the idea of this building project and what God's going to do through it and how God is just working in our church. But, but I want today, I want us to talk about more than just a, a building project. I want us to understand, and I'm going to go back to that title of that last series, Imagine the Possibilities. I want us to understand that God wants us to do more than just imagine the possibilities of our building or even our ministries, but, but I want us to think about what are the possibilities of what God wants to do in your life, personally, in your faith walk. I love that Rick just came up here and, and rolled that out because when I came to work here, let's see, 13 years ago, I was the young adult pastor and they gave me a list of all of the young adults in the church or connected with the church, and there was a name on that list, Ricky Beavers. And I remember looking at that, and I didn't know who Rick was. I had never met him. I, despite what he's going to tell you, I tried to reach out to him. He, he wasn't attending at the time, but man, it has been awesome to see that growth that he's talking about, those next steps, seeing the transformation. And that's what we're talking about today is, is the transformation that God does in each of our lives as we are devoted to him. And I love that at, at the time when I came here, your name was just on a paper and I had, I had no clue what to think of you. And then, then all of a sudden you start coming to church and then all of a sudden you take that next step and you started serving and, and Rick became very instrumental in our Access 502 service. And then from that, it was like God continued to call him deeper and, and all of a sudden God placed a call on his life to, to be in full-time ministry and here he is presenting that vision of growth in our church, and he is an example of that. I love that. So today, we're going to talk about, yeah, you can clap. It's good. It's good. So today, we're, going to, we're just going to talk about that idea that, that we are all called to grow in our faith, to continue to walk closer and closer with Jesus. And, and I just want to say this, like, Rick, you've come a long way. You've got a long way to go. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. I've got a, every single one of us. It's God's desire that we continue to grow. So this new series is called Back to the Blueprint. And, and, and here's the deal. I just think it's really important for us as a church to always be remembering and thinking about what God wants us to be and who God wants us to be. And I think we can get all excited about buildings and other things, but I want to make sure that we are who God calls us to be. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be um, going back to the blueprint. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, the beginning of the church. And we're going to read through that. And today I'm going to read that. And then I've got a, another scripture that I want to share with you. But, but there's this, the, there's a design that God has for the church. And so we're going to look at the beginning of the church. We're going to see what God was doing in the church and, and how God was working. And, and this is what I want us to do. I want each of you individually and I want us as a church to say, what does it look like for us to be faithful to God, to be who God calls us to be today? That, that's the question we want to ask. So I'll just start with a couple disclaimers. Number one, we are not saying that the first church, that the Acts 2 church was perfect. Number two, 
We acknowledge that a lot of things have changed. Our culture has changed. The world has changed. A lot of things have changed. And so we understand that the church is going to look different in some ways than the original, the first church. But what we want to do is we want to look at how God was working and we're going we're gonna to take, um, over the next five weeks, we're going to be working through the five functions of the church. Those are discipleship, uh, fellowship, evangelism, worship, and service. These are the things that God wants us, that, that we do, that make us the church, that bring us closer to God. And so today, we're going to start with discipleship. And we're looking at Acts 2. And so just to set the, the context of this, um, Jesus has, has ascended, and the people are gathered together at the beginning of Acts 2, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God shows up and just pours out on the people. It's the Pentecost moment, the, the moment that God shows up to this group of people, and the Holy Spirit is poured out on all of these people gathered. And, and, and so this is where we're at in verse 42, we see the church is born. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves, this is what the church did, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is the birth of the church. Today, look around you. Today, if you look around you, this is today's reality of the church. But what we just read was the beginning of this. This is how it all started. And so Pentecost, this moment that we have this amazing experience where, where God shows up and the Holy Spirit is just poured out on these people that are together and all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues and every person, even though they're from all over the place and speak different languages, they all understand and hear and the Spirit moves in this incredible way. Then we see Peter and, and it, Jesus tells Peter at one point, you are my rock, and on that rock, I will build my church. Peter gets up after this pouring out of the Spirit, and he starts preaching. He explains to the people, hey, this is what's going on. God is continuing to work. This is what we're experiencing, and he calls them to repent and be baptized. And it says that 3,000 people, 3,000 people, repented and were baptized that day. What an incredible experience. Can you imagine that day? Have you ever been in a service that just the Spirit of God was poured out in an amazing way? Has anyone ever experienced that? I mean, just think about the power of this day. These people are gathered together and all of a sudden, this, God's power shows up and, and just crazy things are happening. They're speaking in tongues and everyone understands it and then 
boom, Peter starts preaching the gospel and all of a sudden 3,000 people, I mean, we had a great service on April 18th, 20 people being baptized. What an awesome celebration. Can you imagine 3,000 people? What an incredible moment. And, and this is where the church was born out of. And so we see in, from verse 42 on what the church looks like. And I want to focus in on, on verse 42 today because today we're talking about discipleship. I want to focus on verse 42 and I really, I really want to zero into one word of verse 42 for us to understand today that God wants us to continue to grow in our faith. So verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. What was the church's, what was the people's response to this miraculous, this amazing work of God? They devoted themselves, that's our word, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The, that, that word devoted themselves. I want to talk about that for a second with you. Because the first church, the church that experienced Pentecost, their first response was to, to devote themselves entirely to the God of Pentecost. So what does that devoted mean? It means a steadfast and a single-minded fidelity to a certain course of action. So, so this is what it means. When God showed up, when God moved, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they said, that's our God, and that's our focus, and that's what we're gonna be devoted to, and nothing is gonna take us off of this path to worship this God, to serve this God. I, let me give you a picture of this. There, um, there, there was a guy that used to attend our church, and I, I pass him every once in a while in the car. You'll, you'll, um, you'll get this here in a second, and, and it'll be familiar to you, but there's this guy that used to attend the church, and every once in a while I'll pass him, and this one day I passed him on 75, and I'm driving past him, and I look over, and I realize that it's him, and so I turn, and I'm like, you know, trying to be friendly. I'm waving. He is... I mean, I'm over here like making faces, like, you know, honking, and he's, he was so focused in that nothing was going to distract him from driving. He was devoted, that or he just didn't want to say hi to me. I mean, let's be realistic. <laughs> No, I mean, he was so locked in, and, and that's happened several times with him, where I've just noticed that it, more of us need to be locked in when we're driving, right? Anyone want to nudge someone next to him? Megan, you want to throw something at me? He was locked in. That's where the, that's where the people were. They experienced this incredible move of the Spirit. God poured the Spirit out, and so their, their response was, we're locked in. We're focused on you, and they devoted themselves completely to God. That's what the first church was. Let me ask you a question, and listen, I do not mean this question at all to be condescending. I mean this question to be reflective, and I mean for this question to be motivational for you. 
The first church was completely devoted to God. That was their sole focus. Let me ask you a question. Are you completely devoted, completely focused on God? Are you single-minded? I love that word, single-minded. I know sometimes we talk about, about being closed-minded, but in this case, when we're talking about worshiping and serving God, being singularly focused is a great thing. Are you locked in? Are you focused completely? Are you devoted to God? Let me ask you a second question. Do you think when the world around us sees the church, do you think the world around us sees a group of people who are completely devoted and focused on God? The first church, they were. And, and, and here's the thing, for the Christian, following Christ is not just another option for living. It is the only option for true living. Hear this again. If, if we are going to be who God created and called us to be as Christians, as the church, if we are going to be faithful to God, God is not an option for us out of all the options. In today's world, there are options all over the place. There are different ideologies. There are different things that you can invest your time in. If we're going to be faithful to God, we have one option, and that's to be completely devoted to Christ. And so what we see here is the church is completely devoted. Let's, let's look at the, you know, at, at, at what happens because of that through Acts 2. Verse 43 says, many wonders and signs happen. So because they were completely devoted to God, that amazing moment at Pentecost continued to happen. Wonders and signs continued to happen in the people's lives because they were focused, they were devoted to God. It says they were together and had everything in common. They, let me just simplify that down to one word. They were unified. Is there anything more lacking in our world today than unity? And the first church was completely locked into God. They were, they were devoted, and guess what the result was? God continued to do miracles, continued to do wonders and signs, and they were one together. They had everything in common. It says that they had glad and sincere hearts. Man, there are people, our world is starving, starving for joy for gladness, for sincerity. It says they enjoyed the favor of all people. They loved being around people. And it says people were added to their number daily. So here's the thing, that 3,000 people at Pentecost repented, were baptized, became a part of this church, and, and we would be tempted to think, okay, that's the pinnacle of what God's doing. But that was just the beginning. God wanted to continue to grow the people. Can I, can I just confess something to you? April 18th was an awesome Sunday. 20 people being baptized. And in the lead up to that day, I was so excited about all the people that were committing themselves to come and be baptized. Here's the confession. I was a little bit lacking faith. <laughs> 
because I thought, man, if 20 people get baptized this time and we have this awesome service, what happens in three months when we do baptism again and we have two people? Man, I'm sorry. As your pastor, I'm sorry. I lacked the faith to know that the God I serve, if we are devoted to him, if we are fully sold out to him, is gonna continue to work and continue to grow and continue to move. And we don't have to worry about a cap. 3,000 people, they devoted themselves to God and guess what? People continued to come daily because they were locked in. Because God doesn't have limits. What an incredible thing. And so the people are completely focused. They're single-minded and single-minded devotion to Christ will always lead to growth and transformation. And I'm gonna throw this word out too. It leads to contentment. It leads to life. Spiritual stagnancy, on the other hand, is a sign that we're not single-minded. We're double-minded. We've lost our focus. There are churches all over our world that have lost their focus on Christ, have started to focus on other things, and they become stagnant. Because there's only one way for us to be who God called us to be, and that's Christ. That's the power of God. That's being completely devoted. This is God's plan for the church. This is God's plan for each and every one of you. I want you to hear this today. God's plan is not for you to experience something great and then sit back and just think positive thoughts about it. God's plan for you, God's plan for the church is that we will continue to be devoted and that we will continue to grow in our faith, that we'll become more and more like him. That's what God wants for each and every one of us. I don't know where God's going to take you. I don't know exactly what the next step is for each of you, but I do know this. God's desire for us as the church, God's desire for you as a follower of Christ is to continue to grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. What an awesome thing. I want to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. This is a church that he started on his second missionary journey. And I just want to briefly look at this, and I want you to see why it's so important that we grow in our faith. So starting in verse 3, Paul says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So the first thing we see here is Paul started this church, and and what happened was Paul had to be sent away because there was persecution, and he had to leave. He was in trouble. He was in danger. And so that church was, was in the middle of trouble. But Paul says right here, We thank God and we pray for you because your faith is growing and growing and growing. See, God's desire for the church is not to have a good moment. God's desire is that we would be transformed, that we would continue to grow into his image. And even in the midst of persecution, this church 
is thriving in their faith. So once again, what's the result of their devotion, of their single-mindedness? Number one, it says, your love is increasing. I don't know about you, but every week when I come in this building, I love you guys more and more. There are some moments that maybe, maybe, that, maybe I'm growing in my love for you, and there are some moments that I'm like, uh, you know, but <laughs> just being honest, it's confession day. No, I mean, seriously, like, I love you. Ten years ago, I was, I was on staff at this church, and I came in here, and I loved all of you. I'm just, every Sunday morning, I love being with you all. And as we grow in our faith, our capacity to love grows, and we love each other more and more. The second thing, it says, you're, you have persevered. Even though you face difficulty, you've grown. And then it says, you're your faith is growing through the trials. I want to skip down to verse 11. See in the middle there, in between those verses in verse 11, Paul talks about judgment. See, they're facing persecution, and what Paul says is, listen, the people that are, that are going against God, the people that are persecuting you, don't worry. There's going to be judgment, and they're going to face judgment for what they do. And on the other hand, the people of God will face judgment, and if they're found faithful will be living in the favor of God. So let's jump into verse 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to look at the three things here that Paul is praying for, for the church. God has called us, not just buildings, not just as a church, but each of us to grow in our faith. This church is growing in their faith, and Paul prays for three things. Number one. He prays that, that God would make them worthy of his calling on their life. Now, let's talk about that word worthy. Paul is not praying that they would be good enough that God would love them and call them. That's not what that means when it says we're praying that God would make you worthy. See, in Jesus Christ, people had already been made worthy. We on our own can never become worthy of being loved and graced and saved by God. But by the grace of Jesus Christ, we've been made worthy. So he's not saying we need to get to where God will love us and God will call us. He's saying, I'm praying that you would be worthy of the calling that God has placed on you. They've already, they've already been made worthy. But, but this worthiness is more about them reflecting God. That, that he has already loved them. He's already made a way for them to be saved, to be called. Now what he's praying is that now that you're saved, now that you're called, I pray that you would grow and grow and grow and be worthy of the image of God. What an awesome idea that, that we could be worthy. Think about that Pentecost moment, that 3,000 people coming, the pouring out. Think about the goodness of God, the grace of God. Think about how big God is. When we grow, when we're devoted, when we grow in our faith, 
we become reflections of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's love. And so Paul prays, I pray that you would continue to be made worthy of his calling. Something very important for us to understand today, only God, only God can make us worthy of the calling. We can study all we want, we can train all we want, we can do everything we want, only God can make us worthy of his calling to reflect his glory. Number two, Paul prays that, that his power would bring to fruition every desire for goodness and deed prompted by faith. So number one, that you would become a worthy reflection of God. Number two, that God would work in your heart so that every desire and good deed that come from your faith are accomplished. This is how it works. God saves us. God calls us. We focus. We continue to grow. And as we grow... Our minds are transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, we're transformed and we begin to want what God wants. We begin to have desires to fulfill the kingdom. We begin to want to do good, to love each other. And so Paul prays, number one, that we would be more and more worthy reflections of God. Number two, that God would make those things happen that God has planted in our hearts. And number three, that the Lord would be glorified in you and you in him. God's desire for his church is that we would bring him glory. That we would, I asked you earlier, do people see devoted followers of Christ, God's plan for us is to be transformed into his image so that we love more and we grace more and we serve more and we become more and more like Jesus so that others see God's glory. This, this is good stuff. I, we talked about Rick. Sorry, Rick, we got to keep talking about you. I say all that about Rick not to say, hey, Rick, you're really awesome. I mean, you're, you're pretty all right. Um, I, I, don't, I don't say it so that we can pump Rick up. It's not about Rick. Once again, you're, you're great. But it's not about him. It's about the God who saved him and called him and worked in his life and transformed him. It's God's glory. And so when we stand here and we celebrate baptism, when we stand here and talk about the growth in Christ in someone's life, we're glorifying God. And let me just say this. What the world needs now is not for the church to just preach at them. The world doesn't need us to win more arguments. The world doesn't need us to win power over them so we can make them do what we want them to do. You know what the world needs? The world needs the church to reflect the glory of God. The world needs the church to be transformed into his image. The world needs each of us to grow and grow and become more and more like Jesus. Because when that happens, people are added to their number daily. Our world is starved for the love of God. They don't know it. 
They're starved for the love of God. They're starved for the grace and the unity of God. And God wants to transform us to show it to them. And God gets the glory. His prayer is that God would be glorified in us, that our lives would bring glory to God. Man, if there is anything we should do today, it's to glorify the God that's brought us together, that loves us, that's transforming us. Our growth is for God's glory. And here's just an added bonus. When we glorify God, guess what happens? We experience God's glory in a way that we never could apart from God. We get to be a part of the glory. It's about Him. We glorify Him, but we get to experience His love and grace and mercy and unity. And there's nothing better. Listen, I want to ask you today, and the band's going to come up, the worship team's going to come up and and we're going to play a song that talks about God transforming us and changing us. I, I want to ask you today, are you fully devoted? Are you completely surrendered? Are you locked in on serving God with your whole heart, with your whole mind? Are we devoted completely to God? Father, we love you today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy that allows people like me to be a part of your kingdom. I thank you for the work that you've done in Rick's life and the work that you're doing in the lives of all of us sitting here. And my prayer, Lord, is that each and every one of us would be fully committed, fully focused, fully devoted to you. And I pray that you would continue to transform us into who you created and call us to be, Lord. We love you today. We give you everything in Jesus' name. Amen.